Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, everyone. This is Stephanie Rule, your NHA podcast host. And I'd like to welcome you to our December 2019 podcast. Our topic for this month is Living with Intention, Foster Care to Self-Care with NHA. This is the fourth episode in a series that has been dedicated to living with intention by embracing NHA with your full being during challenging life and situations. You can subscribe to our NHA podcast through iTunes or Blog Talk Radio so you can receive notifications about new episodes every month. You can find the Children's Success Foundation on social media by searching CSF is Greatness. You can explore our website, childrensuccessfoundation.com, to find a trainer near you. Or if you're ready to notch up your understanding of NHA to even deeper levels, you can register for our upcoming Certification Training Intensive, or CTI, in Tucson this January. Registration is open on our website. Today's show is really an honor to be a part of. We are talking with two incredible human beings who grew up in the foster care system. While the foster care system may be imperfect, it is true that I have two resilient, strong women on the show with me today who both grew up in the foster care system. Through all of their personal challenges growing up, these two women are now giving back to the youth of today, youth not much different from the youth they once were. And now these certified NHA trainers are here today to share with us their incredible story, their journey, and how the Nurtured Heart Approach has impacted their adult lives their self-care, and how they give back to the youth of today. I am grateful and honored to share the airwaves with two of our certified trainers from New Jersey, Gina Lynn Pearson and Michelle Moran. I visited with Michelle first. Michelle Moran has dedicated her life to children who are overcoming tremendous adversity, children like herself, growing up in the foster care system and group homes Michelle has a firsthand perspective into the challenges that many children face. She built her professional career starting as an elementary school teacher and later becoming a therapist to advocate for children. Her perspective makes her uniquely positioned to consider how children will be affected in every decision regarding their care. Michelle grew up in the child welfare system in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She became a ward of the state, what it was then called, at age 12 in 1982 until she was emancipated at age 17. During these years, Michelle lived in one foster home and three different residential group homes. At age 17, Michelle was emancipated and moved to an independent living program. Michelle was a teacher for about 10 years, and then she left the education system in 2005 to go back to where she started. Michelle took her first job in the system of care in New Jersey as a staff member in a group home. She quickly was promoted within this agency to senior residential counselor and then began to pursue her master's degree, which she completed in 2010. In 2016, Michelle began her work with CFFS, Center for Family Services, as the program director of Envision Healing Homes, a cluster of three girls' homes where programming focused on the Nurtured Heart Approach, six core strategies, and trauma-informed care. Michelle then continued her clinical career and growth to be the program director of Great Abilities in-home and youth outpatient services. 
directing the expansion of children's behavioral health counseling services with CFFS. Recently, Michelle was promoted to Senior Program Director of Behavioral Health Outpatient Services, managing all the youth and adult outpatient and psychiatric services. Michelle not only embraces change, but motivates her team to be excited to adapt to new ways of serving their clients. She is an advanced certified trainer in the Nurtured Heart Approach and provides this ongoing instruction teaching NHA regularly to her growing group of employees who provide services to over 100 youth and their families, 100 adults in behavioral health outpatients, and about 35 youth and families in the Great Abilities in-home program. On a personal note, Michelle is married to her husband, Jim Moran. They have been together for 30 years, and they have one son who is 27 years old and who is getting married in May to his college sweetheart. Michelle has a large extended family that she has created from friends that have become family, and she lives her life with intention every day. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm so honored that you're willing to share your personal story as a foster youth with us today. Um, And, you know, your openness and your transparency about your own personal life, as I'm sure you've already experienced, will, um, will just continue to guide others who might be living a similar path to yours. So I'm I'm truly grateful and honored to have you here today with us. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm honored as well. Yes. Oh, thank you. So, um, all right. So many trainers of the Nurtured Heart Approach and even non-trainers that might be listening to our podcast today either could be working with foster youth or could be a foster parent. And in Mm -hmm. thinking from the perspective of a foster youth, potentially feeling completely lost in their current negative portfolio, And Mm -hmm. for listeners who might not know Nurtured Heart, a portfolio is what a person believes to be true about who they are on the inside. And these beliefs are gathered through our cumulative life experiences, both positive and negative. So, Mm -hmm. Michelle, if you were speaking directly to a youth in foster care right now, how would you explain to them what the Nurtured Heart approach is and how it could impact their lives? I think um, when I introduce the Nurture Heart approach to them, I would not do it by telling them I'm teaching them a new approach on how to be. I would Mm -hmm. get them to, I would get, I would talk about what their greatness is first and I would get them to acknowledge. And it's really hard, um, as I know, from being one of those kids um, in the system, it's really hard to look at what you do well because we literally are, you know, move from place to place with a big giant file portfolio of all the things usually we've done wrong. And most of the places that you move to and go to, they know all the things you've done wrong before they know what you've done right. So I would try to get the youth to see their qualities of greatness and to recognize them by being genuine and truthful with them and real. That's one thing about the Nurtured Heart approach. I have realized you can't be phony with it. You can't. Um, Kids see right through phony. And when you're explaining to them what recognizing their resilience, recognizing that they're sitting there talking to you where they could be doing something else, explaining their their qualities the way you see them is how we get them to to understand the approach by practicing it and actively doing it with them, if if you can call it that. Yeah, I like that because it's, 
it to me that way of defining quote unquote defining the nurtured heart approach to a youth um the way you're you're explaining right now is more of a let me just live the nurtured heart approach by example right now in this very moment with you and that and then you can see what it is i don't need to spout off all these words and tell you a definition, you know, because you're going to lose them. They're going to be bored, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to hear what you're way, saying, right? They're not going to hear it, right? They're not only mm-hmm. going to be bored, so they won't hear it, but also their defenses are going to go up and say, well, that's mm-hmm. not me. I'm not a good person. There's nothing great going on with me. But if you mm-hmm. can, in those moments, like you're, like you're saying, call them out for what is great about them in that moment, those positive qualities that you see right then and there, that is one heck of a hook to bring them in and get them wanting to hear more. Yeah. And I think it's more about doing. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 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 No, you're exactly just modeling and being the approach is, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's the best way for all people. I would say personally, that's my belief, you know, to help other, uh, any, any person from any walk of life understand what nurtured heart is. The best way is to do it, to be it. Um, that's how they, they see it. They can feel it that way. Okay. Um, so I don't want to take yeah. up. Too... Sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Interrupt you. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I think I interrupted you. I mean, well, kids are the biggest model of, um, like they're, they're uh, like a temperature guide, um, a thermometer of phony kids can see it coming mm-hmm. a mile away. So I think yes. it's so, it's not in, so much of nurtured heart we learn by hearing and, and seeing, but more by doing. And I feel from all the kids I've worked with through the years and my own in particular, he always said, it's not what you say, Mom, it's what you do. And that's mm. what they learn. They learn by us practicing it and, and you know, and by doing it and modeling it for them. Yeah. yeah. that's Those are some pearls of wisdom from your own son. I love that. So um, I don't I don't want to take up too much time defining in our definition of nurtured heart because I really want to save um, the space for your story. I um, would love to just jump right in to hear what your personal story is, how you journeyed from a foster youth to the person you are today, and how NHA impacted you and transformed your life. So let's dive in. Okay. <laughs> um... I guess, I I guess. Can we start at the end a little bit about so about nurture? You can heart start wherever you I, want to start. So when I went to um, my first nurtured heart training um, to be a trainer, and um, Howie was talking about um, how to do um, active recognitions and how to notice people for who they are. So one of the things it was like an aha ha moment that came about was all like, <laughs> I say hear voices, right? I was hearing all the voices from my childhood of all the people that have been doing Nurture Heart forever. It just wasn't, you know, a, a, it wasn't a system. It wasn't a book at that point. Um, or maybe it was. I just didn't know how we then. Um, but all the people that said things that really resonated with me and helped me see my greatness. Because mm. I feel kids will hold on to whatever voice is in their head. And a lot of times, especially the kids in the system, the voice in their head is usually not good. It's not mm-hmm. positive. It's not focusing on what they've done, done well. And trust, I had enough. I had plenty of the negative, too. Um, but, I, you know, 
if there's nothing positive, there's nothing to kind of counteract the negative. Um, and that's when I, when I, cause I was a, a huge skeptic. Like when I first came in, I was, I told myself I wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid. Mm-mm, this isn't, this isn't going to change anything. And once I realized that I've already, that nurtured heart wasn't something new. It was just, it just put it together in a format to teach it to everybody that this has been around forever. And this has helped me. And I realized sitting there at that moment in the training that this is why I am where I am right now, because those voices resonated when I was a kid. Different things that people said, I can do this. You know, I was awful. I was a bad kid. <laughs> Whatever definition you want to call it, um, they called me incorrigible. That was the that was the name that was labeled to me. But then there was people along the way, teachers, counselors, um, my my grandma, my bubby. Um, said, you know, you're going to be just fine. You got chutzpah. You're a fighter. That's why you fight all the time. Yeah, I got to fight in the right way. Um, you know, I was the kid that would scream from the rooftops if if something was wrong. That's what got me to where I am. And it's interesting because that's basically what I do advocating for the kids and families now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I was the you so know that's I was the loud one. And, so- <laughs> Yeah. Your nurtured heart training, that the first one, anyways, that you attended, mm-hmm. it's so interesting and beautiful because I, what I what I heard you say is that it this training, this nurtured heart training, was what ignited all these people's voices that have spoken mm-hmm. to you in your past, in your childhood, that you may not have been able to hear before. You were now yes. able to start hearing them and hear this the truth of what's going what's what has always been going right for you in your life and who you are that was maybe hidden before, but now it's been revealed. It had been revealed to you. Yeah. And more so that the void, like with, with the train, when I was sitting there in the training and like the aha moment, it made me, it made me realize what kind of the, how it kept me going. So I, I guess I did hear them before, but in this, the training helped bring it, bring it to like, I've always had the question, how did you make it? That's been the biggest question people ask me all the time. Or they hear that I grew up in the system and they hear that I was a residential kid, a foster, you know, they're like, you were, oh my God, how did you, how did you come out of that? I didn't come out of anything. That's who made me, that's, those experiences made me who I am. Mm. The, the, the struggle and, and what was hard gave me the the grit to do what I do now. Um, mm-hmm. People always ask, like, and and it, w- it was recognizing the Nurtured Heart Training helped me recognize and put a label on what it was. That's what, because mm. those words were there because when, when times got tough, I had to f- f- dig deep. And, you know, there's things, there was different people throughout. Um, there's, um, one of back in the day when you lived in a group home, they were called house parents. I mean, maybe in some places in the country they're still called that. Um, and there was this one house parent that was, her name was Mrs. Brown, and I still keep in contact with her to this day. And one of the things that she like enforced was, you always have to know where you come from, because that's who you are. And mm. I wasn't really close with my um, extended my biological extended family. And Mrs. Brown made sure I knew who I was. 
her mm-hmm. way of looking at things where because who you are is just fine. Yeah. So her words, my great, you know, there's different people throughout, but it's when you think about it, it's it's all active recognitions. It's all people just taking, mm-hmm. um, as we do in our training, snapshots of of that moment in time. You did this, and this says this about you. Right. So powerful because you can't be phony oh, telling a kid oh. what they what they actually did and what that says about them. Mm-hmm. Um, when well, I, I was how, um, yeah. with your Mrs. Yeah. With your Mrs. Brown um, experience yeah. and story, I like how Mrs. Brown, unbeknownst to herself, you know, she was not mm-hmm. in the time in, during that time. She wasn't trying to override or erase um, the part of your portfolio that might be negative stuff, but mm-hmm. it's still part of who you are, right? So it's not, it's not like we always say in any nurtured heart training, it's not a matter of trying to erase the negative things. Because that is Mm-mm. part of who you are. You cannot make that go away and, in fact, embrace it. But now we're going to start recognizing positive things, everything that you're doing right, and we're going to add those to your, to your um, portfolio to make your portfolio more slanted, heavily weighted on the positives so that you can have inner wealth, right? But it's all part of who you are, every piece of your portfolio and your mm-hmm. life experiences. Yeah. Uh, so – what a wise woman she is. Uh, yeah, she she absolutely is. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to tell her about this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's interesting because that's what I um as I'm a therapist and that's what I I teach, I guess, in my in my in my therapy and my practice. You know, in the olden days, they used to tell us to forget about things that happened to us and don't don't focus on that. And what I try to help my my folks do is embrace this happened this happened for a reason, whatever it is. We're going to find the lesson from it, and we're going to get stronger because of it. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, and when I, you know, so many people as adults, because I I treat adults now as well. Um, funny, I never wanted to treat adults because I always just felt like that my my place was with kids. But the adults that I'm treating. They never kind of work through the stuff that we're helping our kids do today. And that's why they're in treatment as adults, because they've been trying to pretend things didn't happen for so long or try not to mm-hmm. face it. It all comes back. It right. always just keeps coming until you deal with it. You can't, what's that saying? You can't work, you can't <clears throat> go around it. You have to work through it. Mm-hmm. And that's with everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I, I like the embrace. I, I, I just, when you said that, I had this vision of embracing the yuck, whatever it might be in our lives. Um, <laughs> whatever it is. And find the lesson from yeah. it. Like, I just, I loved that because it's not, it's not that it's about the story, right? Like, we don't need to get stuck mm-hmm. in the story. It's not about the why and the how and the story of whatever the yuck situation might be. But it's about right. finding the lesson so that you can move forward and point out mm-hmm. and see all the positive things that went right about you, even in that moment of yuck. You showed this quality, that quality, and the other. Mm. You stand, stood tall in, in whatever greatness you may have shown in that moment that you didn't realize you were showing, but it was there. It's always mm-hmm. there. So being able to find the lesson, find the greatness, and then move forward from the from the that moment from that story is it's just right. it's, it's beautiful and I'm I'm glad you shared that 
Thanks. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about how um, when how how you okay. So I know that you you're currently working, you know, with and giving back to youth in your life um, to foster youth, and I would love to hear how how NHA has helped you make an impact with the youth who you work with today. Um, it's interesting because, you know, I was a therapist for, I guess, about 10 years. Um, I'm trying to do the math right in my head. <laughs> um, I was a therapist for a while before I learned about Nurtured Heart. And one of the things, I always, I always felt like my instincts were there and I always can explain things to the kids I work with, um, if they're residential kids, foster kids, um, kids that live with their natural family. Um, I could always explain things and and with their parents as well and help them see the positive side of things, um, help them see, you know, um, how they can overcome different adversities. But with Nurtured Heart, it has, it's put it in such a framework where it has become so much easier to... Mm. There's always an answer with Nurtured Heart. Um, well, what do I do when they do that? You don't energize the negativity. But da 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 And then I, mm-hmm. there's the answer. The answer is the same all the time. You know? In the three stands. It's so simple. The answer is in the three stands. It is. And it's like, and I, you know, I use the, I use the analogy, you know, the three-legged stool all the time. Absolutely no, absolutely mm-hmm. yes, absolute clarity. And it's all the things mm-hmm. I've always instilled and taught with all my work and practice, but Nurtured Heart has made it so much easier, and also Nurtured Heart has made it where kids are actually getting better, families are healing, they're getting better, and staying better, and they don't need us to keep them afloat. That's, that's mm-hmm. what's been different. Um, I, was, I was looking at some of the different things I present, because when I, I do, when I do trainings, depending on my audience, is how I introduce Nurtured Heart. I cha- it changes based on, you know, who my audience is. And mm-hmm. I have these three questions when I'm talking to um, parents um, of, of any youth um, that are, you know, that want to see something different. And I start with, would you like the ability to help, to help your child yourself? Are you tired of the professionals being able to connect and communicate with your children instead of you? Would you like your children to feel good about themselves, to see themselves as a good kid and maybe and be able to make decisions when times are tough? So I ask questions like to get them to see what the, what the approach is about. So mm-hmm. I guess to answer your question, <clears throat> Nurture Heart has given me the framework to always fall back on, and it's set the way it, it is set up, it's so simple, everyone, everyone can learn it. You know, mm-hmm. I have uh, my little nieces, 8 and 10 years old, you know, will will say to somebody, I am not going to get into that negativity and walk away, <laughs> you know. I mean, or, you know, telling grown-ups, yes. they, they need to reset, I think. You know, it, <laughs> yes. it, it, there's no, it's, it's so simple. It has created a simple platform to do the clinical work. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. take place at the clinical work, and a lot of people get confused about that in the beginning. Um, we're still mm-hmm. doing all the clinical work we were trained to do, but Nurture Heart gives us a framework for it. 
makes it mm-hmm. easier. Right, right. So I would love to hear um, a little bit about your 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 personal journey with Nurtured Heart in terms of your own self-care. I mean, growing up in the system um, and, and your own story and negative portfolio that you brought mm-hmm. into, that came into your adulthood with you, um, how has Nurtured Heart impacted that? I have, my whole entire way of looking at life has completely changed since I've learned Nurtured Heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I, as I explained, I, I was always a fighter. I, was, I always thought I had to fight everybody for everything because that's the way I grew up. And my, God bless my husband. <laughs> um, I was 19 years old. I was 19 years old when I met my husband. Um, wow. And six months later, we were living together. And then two years, we were married, like, very young, been together forever. Um, and, you know, we, we, as a couple, are so much nicer to each other since I learned Nurtured Heart. Because I came home and Nurtured Heart at him. That was my first thing. What, one of the things Nurture Heart has taught me was I was missing so many good things that were happening every day because oh. we're so used to, as a society, focusing on what's wrong. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you the shoe story. It's what I use in my training, okay? Okay. So um, I come home from work. It's when I was a teacher, and my son and husband are sitting in the living room talking about, you know, whatever they're talking about. Of course, I wasn't paying attention to what they were talking about at the time. Mm-hmm. I walk in. They, my son and husband both have gigantic shoes. They, you know, our house isn't that big. They take up their whole – wherever they wherever they take their shoes off is where they land. That's, that's, that's their thing. And they do it on uh, – yes. it's yes. so funny. They just leave them there. So I walk in the door. I, you know, dramatically almost trip over the shoes, of course, because even though I know they're there, I almost trip over them. I walk into the kitchen. There's dishes in the sink. The dishwasher wasn't unloaded, and they're sitting in the living room talking, and they ask me what was for dinner. This went on for years, pre-nurtured heart. Went on for years. I start screaming, why is the dishwasher not empty? Why do you guys, why are the shoes all over the place? Blah, 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 right? Then, you know, mm-hmm. they give it back. It's back and forth, negative, and then somebody storms out because somebody, you know, crossed the line. In the negativity. Mm-hmm. This one, I mean, I say went on for years. So um, I thought, because one of the exercises we had to do was think of something, you know, like that during our training. I come home. Now, my my son's away at college, so there's only one set of shoes there. Well, there's multiple shoes because my husband likes shoes. But <laughs> one person's shoes. I come home. The shoes are in the middle of the room, right? So I walk around them, and I go mm-hmm. in the kitchen. And I noticed that my husband made dinner. So what I focused on was, thank you so much for making dinner. I feel so, and this is honest to God, I feel taken care of when you make me dinner when you're home first because that shows you care about me and I appreciate it. He looks at me like I'm half crazy, right? Uh Uh-huh. But the shoes, I just moved them. Like they're still there. To this day, he actually lines them up now. (laughs) You know, they're still there. I just didn't focus on that. When I go back to when my son was in high school, what I didn't notice was my my son was home telling his dad about his day. They -hmm. were in there talking. He wasn't running the streets. He was telling him about, like, a test he had, and then he had to go study, and they were having a conversation. You know, my husband engaging, like, what an amazing father, best thing about him. You know, Mm -hmm. they're having a conversation about I missed all that. Because I was so focused on those those shoes. (laughs) 
And right. my dishwasher wasn't empty, you know? Um, you know, I tell this story to people in my trainings, and, they, you know, months later they'll bump into me, and they're like, are the shoes still there? And then um, it reminds me they were at my training. The shoes don't bother me anymore. And I'll tell you, dinner is made most nights now because the rule is home first. Whoever's home first makes dinner. But mm-hmm. we couldn't make the rule. We couldn't have that clarity, right, until we, we just established what were the no's and the yeses. Mm-hmm. And there was, I was wasting my time focusing on what was wrong instead of focusing on what was right. That is such a beautiful so, depiction of the transformation that nurtured heart can bring to our lives. Yeah, and it, and it has. I mean, and what I'm a great telling story. you, we like each other <clears throat> so much more. So much more than we, I mean, we've always loved each other, but we like each other so much more. Yeah. And we yeah. don't argue about, we don't argue about shoes anymore. I save the arguments for the important things. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's not about the shoes. The shoes don't matter. <laughs> but being able <laughs> no. to see that, it takes, it takes time and effort in, in stands one and two living in stands one and two to be able to see that the shoes don't matter, that it's not about Mm-mm. the shoes. Um, and I just, just love, love what the lesson that came out of that story about your, I mean, there was, I think a lot of lessons that probably come out of that story, but the one that jumped out at me and grabbed me personally the most is the fact that what before, before nurtured heart came into your life, what you were missing Mm-hmm. Was that your son was home. Your son wasn't on yes. the streets. Your son was developing relationship with his father, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. I mean, your, 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 your husband, we could talk about what's great about your husband. He could have been ignoring his child. He could have not been building that relationship with his mm-hmm. child. He could have been the dad that sits there with his face in the newspaper and ignores everything but what's going on in the newspaper or on the TV or on his computer or whatever it is. Um, but he wasn't. They were building relationship, and that was missed because he didn't have nurtured heart yet. So, thank goodness for the I, gift. He didn't miss it. Nurtured heart he didn't brings. Miss it though. <laughs> yeah, he went. No. Ironically, I'm the one that went to all the school and a therapist and all that stuff. Um, right. You know, my husband's a furniture maker. Yeah. He didn't miss it. He knew it. You know, ironically, my son's 27 years old. He, they, him and his father talk every single day. They have a conversation every single day. He lives in Virginia. He calls me for the important stuff, but his, him and his father talk every day. And mm. once they're gone, you don't, you don't get a second chance once your kids are grown. And the time is now. We have to put the time in. We can't, it it can't take place of anything. Mm-hmm. That engagement is what's mm-hmm. so important. Mm-hmm. The yeah. present is where it, so where that, it counts. Yeah, so Nurtured Heart has helped me be more present. It's helped me mm-hmm. live with intention. My release, all my relationships have changed. I don't allow, I used to take it a lot. For, I used to always try to please and thought I had to take care of everybody. I don't, I don't let others, um, I don't let negativity into my life. If it's negative, I don't have time for it. Mm-hmm. You know, with all, yes. and with my staff, you know, I, you know, I do that. Like, I certainly you've got to address problems. Don't get me wrong. You can't just walk around pretending things aren't happening. But there's a way to look at something and starting with what's right about the situation. Let's talk about that first. Mm-hmm. And then it's easier to problem solve if you connect first and figure out what's going right. well. Yeah. 
Absolutely, yes. It helped Indeed. me be. It helped me in all aspects of my life, not just as a parent, not just as a ther- every everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. I can see that. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, Michelle, before we wrap up, because unbelievably, it's, it is about that time. It always goes really, really fast. Um, <laughs> first of all, I want to thank you um, for being here today and for sharing your story and helping others to see that you can move forward from whatever your your path was in the past, right? You can move forward, not only just move forward, but you can move forward with strength and grace and um, in a warrior mode. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I really thank you for helping people to see that the youth, the foster youth who might be seen as, as you said, incorrigible. I just, mm-hmm. I'm so, big so one. Cr- it's a big one. It's a really big one. Yeah. And I'm grateful that you were able to help us see, our listeners see the flip side of the word incorrigible, right? Um, it's not, yeah. there's, there's positive that can come from a No, incorrigible is the best kind as, of kid to work negative. with. That's yes. my favorite kid. That's my favorite. Give me, yeah. give me the, the most oppositional, defiant conduct, angry, disrespectful kid. Give me them because they yeah. have greatness. They have mm. so much to offer this world. They just have to channel it in the right way. Exactly. Yeah, yes. they're, my, yeah yes. they're my favorite kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do you have any last-minute um, parting words that you'd like to share with our listeners who might be working with or parenting with parenting foster youth about how to use the NJ tools to support living with intention like you do? <laughs> um, I think they all first have to read Igniting Greatness. Not, you know, not to do a commercial, but a lot of times people aren't able to see others' greatness because they can't recognize their own. Mm. If their well is empty, they can't. It's hard to recognize somebody else's, especially in the residential care. And um, when I, you know, manage residential group homes, sometimes our workers are so tired and so depleted that it's hard for them to recognize the greatness in others when they can't see it in themselves. Because everything starts with, it starts with us. It starts with individually. And it's it's you can't it's hard to change your perspective when you're stuck. So igniting greatness, it's literally after my first training was a pre, it's a present that I give to everybody I know in my life. You know, mm-hmm. um, bought a case of them. That. <laughs> um, that's that's the first. That's literally the first step. I think is looking into yourself and find and and doing the self work because to be a foster parent. You know, you're sharing, you know, your life with a child that has been through hard times or they wouldn't be foster kids, right? And right. you need to get, you need to do it for the right reasons and you need to be there for this child and engage with this child and be present. And it's hard to do that when you have other, you know, when you're not able to see it in yourself first. So absolutely, I would say that's where we start is, you know, building, I used to say building up my, I had to build up my staff first so then they can build up the kids in the group homes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And foster parents the same way. Obviously they became foster parents. There, there's, there's goodness. There's amazing goodness. It's a huge, huge undertaking being a foster parent. And I give them, yes. a th- thank God for foster parents of the world. That I wouldn't be where I am. And <sighs> yeah. Well, you just spoke of awesome. the pearls of nurtured heart wisdom, um, and I'm uh, that could, we couldn't be a better place to end our podcast for today because 
starting with finding the greatness within yourself is is the only way to start your journey with nurtured heart. It's the only mm-hmm. way. You've got to start finding the greatness within you so that you can share that greatness with others and, and help shine that light on them as well so they can find the greatness within themselves. Wow, what a true warrior Michelle is to overcome such adversity in her life. And what a powerful story about the shoes in the middle of the floor and how we get to choose what we focus on in life. Do we want to zoom in on those shoes on the floor and have that be the place where we give our most intentional relationship? Or do we want to see all that positive, beautiful space beyond the shoes, like the relationship building that was happening between Michelle's husband and son? I love how this story can relate to foster youth as well. We all know our foster youth have some pretty big shoes or challenges blocking their path along the way. And we can help them see that it's not about the shoes that are blocking their path. Rather, it's what's all around those shoes and beyond those shoes where everything else that is is going right in their lives exists. And that's the place in which we want to give our most intentional relationship. Let's listen as my next guest shares her incredible story of overcoming adversity with a warrior spirit. Gina Lynn Pearson is a program specialist, a statewide youth ambassador with the Department of Children and Families in the state of New Jersey. She works with the children's system of care, amplifying the voices of those with mental health needs, developmental and intellectual disabilities, behavioral challenges, and substance use disorders in a meaningful way that is true to the system of care approach. In this role, Gina Lynn reviews, analyzes, and provides comments to the policy planning and system administration on best practices regarding youth and family voice to be implemented in contracts, policies, procedures, and any other problematic area that is missing youth and family voice or needs additional guidance. Prior to working in her current capacity, she developed, amended, revised, and clarified official agency policies, procedures, and regulations to promote good case practice and comply with legal mandates while assisting senior policy staff in the provision of substantive and procedural guidance to departmental staff and leadership on policy, regulatory, and ethical issues. Gina Lynn is a proud Rutgers alumna holding a bachelor's and master's degree in social work from Rutgers University, New Brunswick, and she graduated summa cum laude with both degrees. Gina Lynn has worked in several capacities throughout her tenure with the state of New Jersey, and she is a certified Nurtured Heart trainer and is a frequent speaker at the Six Core Strategies Training, which is aimed at reducing the use of seclusion and restraints. Welcome to the show, Gina. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. It's such an honor to have you here with us today. So, Gina, I would love to hear, let's maybe just start with um, a quick, your quick synopsis of what NHA is. If you were speaking directly to a youth in foster care right now, how would you explain it? How would you explain to them what NHA is and how it might impact their life? So when I first heard of NHA, I've heard of it as a way to awaken the greatness within young people. Um, And now I would really summarize it as allowing young people to recognize that we can nurture, love, um, and teach both their hearts and their minds simultaneously, and that the two don't have to be mutually exclusive. Mm. 
I like that. That's beautiful. It's very succinct. And I love how you tie together the, the mind and the heart because it, you're right. I mean, they're not separate. They do have to work together um, to create the whole person. So uh, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. So I know we have a short period of time, and I'm sure you have a, a lot to share. So let's go ahead and get right to your story. Um, I would love to hear about your journey from a foster youth to the person you are today and how NHA impacted and transformed your life. Sure. Um, I entered the foster care system when I was a month old. Um, I endured a lot of abuse and neglect as a child and a young infant. I entered the foster care system because of severe abuse and neglect, mostly around substance use. Um, I was born addicted to crack and when I entered the system at one month old, I was then reunited with my biological parents at five years old. And through that reunification process, um, I then had to go back into the child welfare system due to severe sexual abuse and lack of supervision. And that led me being placed back into the system. Through that time, I was moved from a lot of different placements. Um, and that was a lot of that had to do with my skepticism with people. Um, a lot of the time, I just had absolute thinking. I just viewed everything as all bad or all good. Um, and that had to do with my attachment issues um, and mm -hmm. the abuse that I endured. Um, a lot of, you know, the people that I came around, um, you know, they kind of viewed me as this quote-unquote bad child, which, you know, I always say that there is no such thing as a bad child. There's only um, behaviors that are seen. Um, and I saw that each person had their own intention. But overall, like, I just was such an independent young person who, like, my resiliency skills superseded all. And so I didn't want anyone's help. I was always just so independent. You know, at four years old, I was seen walking down highways, um, just not supervised at all. And so that's what led me to being placed back into the foster care system. Um, mm. Then at age 15, I ended up being adopted. Um, and this adoption really wasn't suitable. Um, and this just had to do with me not really speaking up for myself. I just was very blase with everything at that point going on in my life. I didn't really care. Um, mm -hmm. And so I just let whatever happened happen. And so when I heard that I was being, you know, adopted, I just said, okay. Um, and to me, it wasn't really a home. It was just a place to stay until I turned 18. Um, mm -hmm. And so then sure enough, when I turned 18 and the adoption subsidy stopped, um, she said she no longer needed a babysitter and I was kicked out. Um, and I kind of knew that that was going to happen, so it didn't really affect me that much. And I was already so independent that I just didn't really care. Um, and at that point, I went to Rutgers Camden um, to, for college, and I played basketball there. So I got a scholarship to play basketball through um, academic scholarships because you can't get athletic scholarships on the Division three level. So I was really struggling in school at that point. I you know, the environment wasn't suitable. Um, I had prior relationships with people who had lived in Camden because of me growing up in Camden. Um, I was a mediocre student, and I really, really struggled with the gang violence there. You know, I grew up around the gangs there, and it was just pulling me right back in. 
So at that point, I had been really, really involved with a program um, through the Department of Children and Families, and it really, really helped me. Um, at that point, they pulled me away from Rutgers Camden and said, you need a new environment. You need somewhere where you can truly thrive. Um, and they recognized the environment was the key. So at that point, within a week span, they said to me, you're going to go to Rutgers, New Brunswick. And they did that. They ended up getting me transferred to New Brunswick. And from that moment on, utilizing that wraparound approach, I was able to thrive. I became a straight-A student. I became affiliated with multiple groups, organizations, programs. I ended up graduating um, with honors. And so hmm. that really began with my transition into adulthood. Um, and what that was, and I didn't recognize it or know about it at the time, but this program, um, they were called Transitions for Youth, they actually were already trained in the Nurtured Heart Approach. Mm. I wow. wasn't familiar with it because until I became a youth ambassador for the youth advisory boards. And at that time, that's when I became, a, I wasn't a trainer, but I became trained in the Nurtured Heart Approach. And it just awakened something so deep in me, and I became in love with it. Um, I was mm. trained by um, Frank Bacone, um, who's amazing. <laughs> yes, and he is. We had just a very brief, it was a three-hour training, um, and I just fell in love with it. And I just saw even the entire environment of the office change. Um, and so I knew that I needed more um, because I just, when Frank explained how it worked with young people who had um, ADHD, that's really what caught me and caught my attention um, because it was very hard to catch my attention because I have ADHD. Um, and mm -hmm. so <laughs> I just needed, uh, you know, I wanted more. Um, and so then as I continued to transition into adulthood, um, I ended up graduating from Rutgers, New Brunswick, and I obtained a position with the state. And that's when I was able to, I transitioned to the Children's System of Care where I became the statewide youth ambassador, and I was able to really flesh out the Nurtured Heart approach and really dive deep into it and find out what NHA is truly about. And that's when everything unraveled in such a beautiful way. You know, I asked mm -hmm. my fiancé, I said, you know, what has the Nurtured Heart approach done for me and done for us? Um, and she said, what hasn't it done? Mm. And I was like, wow, it's really powerful. Um, and she said that it has gained me the ability to resolve conflicts um, with mutual respect and compassion for each other. And that really, the mutual respect part and the compassion really hit me because of my absolute thinking that I had. I really, it's, someone did one thing wrong, I would immediately say, they're bad. I need to distance mm -hmm. myself from them. I cannot connect with them anymore. They're in the know. And mm -hmm. so now I can truly understand that people can make mistakes, and it's okay, just like I make mistakes. And how can we work through this in a positive way? Um, my ADHD, when it comes to that, there's just, I mean, the evidence is very clear in terms of my milligrams of my Vyvanse and Ritalin has gone down. 
um, you know, my, wow. my, my psychiatrist, she, she said to me, she was like, what are you doing? And I told her about the nurture heart approach and I explained it to her and she's like, what? Um, and so I actually had to say, you need to be trained in the nurtured heart approach because I think that this mm-hmm. will really benefit a lot of the young people and the adults that you're working with who are on these, these very, very harsh, like chemically produced medications that they're putting in their bodies every day. And she was like, wow, yeah, you know, you're right. And she saw the evidence for herself. So not only are the, medi- the milligrams reduced, but the frequency at which I'm taking them. I don't take them on the weekends anymore. I only take them on the weekdays if I need to. Um, and so that just proved to me that it does work because it helps me manage my self-regulation skills. Um, and so then I saw if it helps me, then what is this doing for young people? What is this doing for the relationships that I have with young people? As someone who was mm-hmm. raised in the system and now works for the system, both child welfare and the children's mental health system. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as I thought about that, I was thinking about how, you know, I am able to immediately recognize any triggers and any traumas that I have um, and Mm -hmm. barriers that, that may impede on working with young people and working with young people. And so often I'm able to recognize traumas that and triggers that may occur with other young people before they even happen because mm. of things that I've gone through. Right. And it helps me compartmentalize where mm-hmm. I really, I used to struggle with that before. Um, I used to, my things that were going on in my everyday life used to affect my work Um my past traumas and triggers um, used to affect my work and working with young people. Um, But now I'm able to separate the two out um, and say, you know, that I, of course, it's not that easy to just say, you know, that was the past. There's of course a lot more to the dialogue than that, but of course, essentially saying, you know, recognizing that that's what that is and, and that there, there is no harm currently around me and that, Mm -hmm there's no harmful people around me and things like that. And really working through the dialogue to keep myself grounded and safe and recognizing that I can assist in creating that dialogue for other young people to get them what to rewrite gift. the script. Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean this, I just have to, sorry to interrupt. It's just, I have to say this, but this is what I'm hearing you say is this, this or what I'm visualizing as you're saying that is this beautiful gift as you as you're compartmentalizing like you've been saying i can see it wrapped up in this beautiful box of gift that nurtured heart has given you and then mm-hmm. i can visualize you giving that same box that wrapped up gift to all the youth that you're working with today um and it's just this beautiful visualization that i have of how nurtured heart has impacted your life i mean you're right like your your story your story isn't gone. It's there. It's a huge part of who you are. But now you've no, been given this gift to be able to put it in this little box with a nice gift-wrapped bow um, mm-hmm. to be able to not uh, not so that you can so that you can keep moving forward in positive ways in your life today. I love that. Absolutely. I love that. Sorry, yeah. keep going, please. No, that's fine. It's you're absolutely right. It's 
the way that I'm I'm now able to continue to to flip the script and and work with you know our most vulnerable young people who have you know their portfolio or their you know the dialogue that they continue to to write for themselves it's it's so sad to see um and then when you just see their eyes light up when you rewrite the script for the first time for them it's so powerful and it's even frankly more powerful when you see it coming from someone who is like them when you when they see it coming from someone like them who is quote unquote like made it they are like i can do that too right. you're you're just like me and and you've made it out of the system and i think that's that's what NEJ is giving me is the ability to wrap this just as you said wrap it in such a cohesive packaged way in a in a great way let's just say mm-hmm. um that that amplifies them and that empowers them that they, where they feel like they can truly walk away from me and walk away from any training um, or any person, and they just feel like they can truly conquer the world. And that's that's my hope with them and for them. Mm. Um, and that's what NHA does. And so I've begun to make it a point that, you know, why stop? Why stop there? Why stop with just NHA um, for the everyday population? Why not hone in on um, minority populations and start? having NHA trainings for the queer community and for mm-hmm. um, the domestic, those who, you know, within the domestic violence community and sexual assault and human trafficking, um, because these oh are um, special populations that have endured so much and they need to ensure, to be ensured that the person who's training them truly understands this special population and the minority population and that I do, you know, I, I've endured all of these different things and NHA can assist in raising this topic to such a different level. Um, and so that's what makes me so excited about NHA is that now I'm able to do that. Um, I, and yeah, that's, also, that, that's a gift too, that you, that, I mean, that you can transform your story into something that is filled with inspiration and hope for others that are going through similar stories. That's, that is a true gift. That's what I, I'm hoping happens is that, mm-hmm. and that the young people and, and staff, because it's not just, that's the other thing I've recognized is not just limited to young people or myself, but also the relationships that I have with my coworkers, with my friends mm-hmm. um, and with my family that I've both built and, have naturally, you know, I've managed to really recreate the attachment issues that I have and, and recognize that they're not going anywhere and that I, the relationship is based on how I want it to be. And that Mm. the things that have happened in the past are just that they're in the past. And that just because people have done things to me doesn't mean that necessarily just because maybe Bob has done something doesn't mean that Tim is going to do that or just because Linda did doesn't mean Mary will, you know? And so now that I recognize that I can also show that to other young people and model that for them um, to prove that, you know, I, I can also be another trustworthy person in their life. Um, so that's really, really helpful 
and it's also beneficial for me to see to be that trustworthy person. Mhm. Absolutely. I'm curious, Gina, is there a a particular piece to nurtured heart that has you feel has supported you the most or is it just the flow of the three stands together? I'm just curious if you could speak to that a little bit. I would say um that's hard. Um, I think the flow of all three of them together, because as the stands were broken apart, I I struggled with it. And it wasn't until mm-hmm. all three stands were truly bridged together that I actually understood how the process worked. Um, because I was someone, you know, I was that person in the classroom um, and in the training room who was like, well, I wasn't saying this verbally, but what about the not the discipline, but what what happens when someone's not listening or what happens when, you know, uh-huh. a table is flipped. Um, and a lot of that is because I had such a hard time with comparison. And I often, being that I came from the system, I often compared myself to young people who are currently in the system and said, well, if I over, you know, if I beat the statistics, and so, so could you. You should be able to. It's not that hard. Um, and so I had to separate mm-hmm. myself from that young person and recognize that they're their own unique, beautiful individual self, mm-hmm. and that they have every right to not beat the statistics if they wanted to, and that that's mm-hmm. okay. Um, you know, I I just think of even some of my biological family members who just flat out said to me, I don't want to go to college. And it, that, that was really hard for me to hear. But then I finally had to realize not everybody does. And that's fine. Right. And that there's so many other things in the world that you could do without even going to college and still be mm-hmm. beautifully successful. Um, and once I was able to separate myself from the young people, um, and that wasn't until Nurtured Heart, then that's when I realized that my relationships with young people were truly able to thrive and be successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that learning how to be truly present in the moment with whomever it is, mm-hmm. whether it's yourself, um, your spouse, your friends, your colleagues, or the youth that you work with. Learn that, that ability to learn how to be truly present and reflect what, what you see going right in the moment instead of putting our own judgmental potentially potentially judgmental viewpoints onto someone else that is um such a powerful piece to nha absolutely mm-hmm. and then i had um a, a hard time with you know how he calls them the i think he says the juicy words something like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so um I always struggled because, you know, to me, language is so, so important. And I'm always so finicky with every word that I say. And I just think about how is it going to land with young people, especially Mm -hmm. um, because young people are so, so, so susceptible to um, just pointing out anything, you know, they can sense more, um, more nonsense than anyone can. Um, You know, I've always said that. And so, I had such a hard time with, you know, the language because I just said, you know, for instance, if you say to a young person, I accuse you of, and even if it's something of greatness with, you know, you just 
got straight A's, I, I was like, how are they going to receive that? Because me as a young person, I came from Camden, New Jersey, and I was born and raised surrounded by so much chaos and angst and all of that. If somebody came up to me and said, I accuse you of, great, they wouldn't even be able to the get trigger. past the of. I wouldn't right. be able to hear the rest of what they just said. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was so concerned with that point, but it wasn't until it was reframed with to me that words, true words, like, of course, we always think about the um, the impact, but that it's also about the intentionality behind them. Um, mm. And yeah. when it was reframed to me in that way, I was like, wow, that's so true. Because I always said that it takes one second where you can completely change a relationship because of one second of a word that was used when it comes to young people. Um, And so that's why I've always believed that it's really, really important to consider the language that we use. However, that intentionality behind it, young people can also truly, truly sense. And I think that the intentionality Mm -hmm. supersedes the language mm-hmm. because they will always sense that more. I agree. I agree. I do think that, that in the intention behind your words is the guiding, the guiding force to how it is received. Um, <clears throat> and the beauty of nurtured heart is that we can also choose how we want to present um, our energy that we're giving you know, it doesn't have to be the same exact words. You can you cannot use the terms accuse um, or juicy. You know, you can switch them to, to words that match you a little more, which is something that I really appreciate about Nurtured Heart mm-hmm. uh, is that you get to, you get to make, you get to, I always <clears throat> talk about it like it's like your clothing. You get to wear it how, how it fits you best right. as long as you stick to the three stands. Um, and so that, that, that's a piece that I appreciate, but you're absolutely speaking truth here that it really is all about your intention behind your words and the energy behind your words. That's what makes the impact the most. I agree. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So Gina, we are getting close to the, uh, end of our show here, um, which is unfortunate because I would love to just sit here and, and listen to, mm-hmm. I'm sure you could speak for hours, um, mm-hmm. about your life story and what you do with it, with your story today and how nurtured heart is a part of that. It's just, it's riveting. The great, um, gosh, inspirational life story that you have to share, but we are coming up on, um, the timing to end our show. So I would like to give you just, <clears throat> excuse me an opportunity before we do end our show uh, to share any last minute words that you would like to share with our audience that you would like to end with any sort of closing words that you would like your the the foster youth of today or or the people the adults who are working working with or parenting the foster youth of today. What do you have any last parting words you'd like to share? Sure. Um one of my favorite quotes that I say all the time um, that I said at um, the Nurtured Heart training, I believe it was, um, is that it's important that we recognize that we cannot, we absolutely cannot control young people um, and that we only can support them and that these 
young people, they're only here with us for a moment in time and that they don't belong to us. And when I say that they're only here for a moment of time, I mean under our watch, under our care, and that in order to guide these young people, we cannot take a demeaning or belittling approach, and we just need to inspire them and allow them, we just need to cultivate their hearts um, and their thoughts in order for them to thrive and strive. Um, and I just have always thought about how often these are young people that are literally punished so often just for simply trying to be human. Um, they're not allowed to have like any bad days um, or moods or anything. And these are, they can't have disrespectful tones or attitudes. And these are things that we as adults do every day. And so none of us are perfect. And we have to remain cognizant that we hold, we're holding young people to a higher level of perfection that we can attain ourselves. Mm. That is beautifully stated and such truth. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. What a great note to end on. So I do also want to, to thank you, Gina, for being here with us today. It really, it really was an honor to have you on the show and, your story is just powerful. It was a powerfully moving, inspirational story of courage and conviction and fearlessness and resilience and self-care. And I could go on and on, but it was just so it is. Your life is, is powerful. You are powerful. And I appreciate oh, wow. you sharing some space and sharing your story because it's going to uh, get out there into our Nurtured Heart community. And Thank you so much. Yeah, yes, of course, of course. Thank you. And all right, well, just a reminder, a quick reminder for our listeners, you can go to our website, childrensuccessfoundation.com, to hear all of our archived part- podcasts or for more information on trainings in your area and free resources. And a very special thank you to both of my guests, today. As I mentioned earlier, their stories will be impacting and inspirational to so many youth, foster youth today, and I am grateful to both of you for your transparency and your willingness to share. And to everybody out there listening, don't forget to see what's going right in your everyday journey.